Hello, everybody. Welcome back into another episode of the Penn State 365 podcast. My name is Don Count Curley, beat writer and recruiting analyst uh, at Happy Valley Insider of the Rivals Network covering Penn State Athletics. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, super fan Anthony Azan, and my colleague uh, at Happy Valley Insider and formerly of Black Shoe Diaries, uh, Marty Leap. Uh, gentlemen, it is Michigan Week here in Happy Valley, Penn State. Again, set to, for a top 10 matchup against the Wolverines on Saturday afternoon at Beaver Stadium. Uh, a defining game of uh, the season for Penn State, a game, a defining game potentially of the James Franklin era for the Nanny Lions as well. We have quite a bit to talk about here, so I guess let's kind of just jump right into everything here. This, this as I just said, season-defining game, possibly a – era-defining game of the James Franklin era. Do you guys agree? Is this a game that is, you know, a, a legacy game for James Franklin and the Indian Lions? Anthony, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it, it, it probably is. I mean, this was considered to be your best team at, at Penn State, you know, you, in the 10 years that you've been here. Um you know, the, the expectation or at least the hope for this team was that you, you can go to the playoff. That's still obviously on the table for Penn State. And, you know, this is the do or die game, in my opinion. You know, a lot of people thought they could go into Columbus and get it done. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, you need to do it this weekend. And, and if you don't, then all the goals that you had are basically off the table. So, yeah, I do think in a lot of ways this is you know, a, a very big game for James Franklin and, and this program as a whole. And it's it's not going to be an easy test for sure. But, you know, hopefully they're up for the challenge. Marty, uh, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. You know, I've said it for a few weeks now. Um, this is, to me, the biggest game of the James Franklin era for a lot of the reasons Anthony said. If you were ever going to get over the hump in the four-team playoff era, this was supposed to be the year. I, I stand by what I said earlier in the year. This is the best defense I've ever seen at Penn State. You were supposed to have the quarterback and Drew outside of wide receiver and kicker in defensive tackle. There were almost no question marks on this team, and kicker and defensive tackle have gone from being questions to being strengths. Um, sure, you still have questions at receiver, but when every other position is presumably um, – answered and answered with a strength that's a team that should not be losing multiple regular season games especially the way this schedule set up especially when you got your toughest non-con game at home when you got your toughest team in the big 10 west at home um this i mean we're this is getting a bit of ahead of things here but if they wind up 10 and 2 this regular season that's a disappointment to me that's a letdown of a season to me when you consider this roster, when you consider the schedule, when you consider the momentum they had coming out of last year. So I, I, I think this is the biggest game of the James Franklin era. This is a golden opportunity. What has always been the one knock on James Franklin? He can't get over that hump. He can't beat these teams. He can't beat those top five opponents. Um, and he has, he's only done it one, right? Only once that 2016 Ohio state game. I think he's only winning his top five team. And obviously being top five teams is a lot, more is a lot easier said than done, but if you want to get to where Penn State wants to get as a program, you've got to do it. So this is this is a golden opportunity. You know, you're at home. You know that place is going to be rocking. Um, you you got to come out and try and find a way to get a victory on Saturday. And I think if they would, I would argue 
that it might be the biggest win of the James Franklin era also. The only game, in my opinion, that would be in the same conversation as that is this one would be that Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys uh, on on all those points. Uh, for me, I, I think it's the biggest game of the James Franklin era, quite simply, uh, for much of the reasons you guys said. But also, uh, this is Penn State's last chance before uh, the expanded Big Ten uh, to make a, kind of a statement, pick up a statement victory in the James Franklin era. Um, I mean, how many statement wins during the James Franklin era does Penn State really have? Um, I mean, outside of bowl games, yes, they, you know, they beat uh, Washington. They can beat, you know, Utah in bowl games, but they haven't been able to beat uh, Michigan or Ohio State consistently. Uh, you know, they've had success against Michigan, but Ohio State, they, of course, are 1-9 under James Franklin. Um, this is the last chance to make to get one of those statement wins right before the conference ex- is expanding, you know, uh I think Penn State has a chance to still remain in that top three group in an expanded Big Ten. But if you can get a win over Michigan this weekend, that is a win in which you can hang your hat on going into the offseason, even if you miss the college football playoffs, especially if you can finish the season, uh, you know, regular season 11 and 1, finish with a bowl game 12 and 1. That's something that you could really build even more momentum on coming off last year's 10 and 2 season or 11 2 season, whatever. Maybe um, going into an expanded Big Ten where, uh, you know, you're going to have opportunities to recruit uh, the Pacific Northwest more. You're going to have more opportunities to recruit Southern California and the West Coast in general. These are the the, the times to open eyes. You're going to have a ton of recruits on campus this weekend, a lot of big names. Uh, This is a great opportunity for Penn State uh, to make a statement, and it could be a win that has, you know, impacts far reaching for quite a while a loss i don't think sets back the program per se but a win could really do wonders for this program and into a really crucial part of uh you know the next era of college football um moving off that um let's i guess move to the game itself this week penn state opened as about a touchdown underdog that's moved all the way down about Penn, Michigan minus four and a half, Michigan four point favorite uh, around those, depending on where you look. Um, so people believe this is going to be a close game. Uh, and I would tend to agree with that. I, my prediction it does have Michigan covering. Spoiler alert, I do have Michigan win this game. But um, I do have, I believe that Penn State has the opportunity here to play this one close for quite a while. You look at it. Penn State defensively matches up with what Ohio, with what Michigan does well um, quite a bit. Uh, so I guess let's start there. When you're talking about the Michigan Wolverines, you're obviously going to think about the Wolverines rushing attack led by Blake Quorum, 649 yards, nine games this year, 5.2 yards per carry, already has 16 touchdowns. Donovan Edwards, a little bit of a quieter season last year, 74 carries, 232 yards and three yards per carry, two touchdowns. Both of them, of course, ran for over 150 yards against the Nittany Lions last year. This season, we talked about it in our Maryland recap, Penn State has been stellar against the run this year, 60.6 yards a lot per game, two yards a lot per rush. You look at what Michigan's done recently on the ground, it's a Michigan rushing attack that hasn't had a ton of success 
in recent games. 3.2 yards per carry last week against Purdue. 3.5 yards per carry against Michigan State two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And then against Indiana four weeks ago, 3.9 yards per carry. This is a Michigan rushing attack that hasn't been playing their best football recently. While for Penn State, they've been stellar against the run all year. Uh, uh, if you're a Penn State fan going into this one and there's a matchup you feel good about defensively, I think Penn State has to feel good about what Michigan's done on the ground lately versus what Penn State's been doing all year. I know Penn State struggled in the trenches last year uh, against this Michigan team, but I do think Penn State is bigger this year, stronger, and is better suited to match up against this Michigan uh, run defense. Uh, I'll start with you, Anthony. What's your thoughts on that matchup overall? Yeah, no, I think the sting of last year's game where Michigan just ran all over Penn State, especially in the trenches, I think that sting is still there. Uh, The team has not forgotten about that. I'm sure Manny Diaz has not forgotten about that. So I do think there is going to be a a really big emphasis on making sure that they are gap sound and that they aren't allowing Coram and Edwards to run wild on them. Because even though, like specifically Edwards, and you know hasn't had the best year so far you know those are still two very talented backs like it's almost very similar to what we're dealing with with nick singleton on our side you know as much as you know he hasn't been having the best year the year you expected he's still a threat at any point and you have to account for that so you know yeah if you're penn state you you feel like you've defended the run well all year and you know michigan obviously hasn't had the best year running the football Where I'm most worried is actually with J.J. McCarthy using his legs. If anything, Penn State has shown more of a vulnerability with the quarterback who can run as opposed to the running backs. So that's kind of where I stand on it. But I I think they'll actually be okay with those two. It's more of McCarthy that I'm concerned with. Sure. J.J. McCarthy has been, you know, has always had a dual threat capability in his game, but this year – He's, uh, he's been pretty good on the ground, 37 uh, carries around 37 yards, three and a half yards per carry. He's shown the ability to extend plays. We haven't seen Penn State really play many mobile quarterbacks this year outside of um, Green maybe for West Virginia. I'm blanking on his first name. Is it Connor? Connor Green? Garrett. Garrett Green? Green? Garrett Green. Garrett Green. Yeah, Garrett Green. Uh, for West Virginia is really the only dual threat quarterback they've faced. J.J. McCarthy is not going to be a guy who burns you probably for 20, 30 yards a carry or on a carry, but he has the ability to pick up some crucial first downs. Marty, what's your thoughts on Penn State's run defense against this Michigan uh, run offense that's uh, you know considered one of the better ones in the country? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Anthony said. I think you got to watch J.J. McCarthy's legs in this game because I think there's definitely a scenario where – and, you know, we've seen it before with Manny Diaz defenses. As he said, Penn State on third down gets some pressure, flushes them out of the pocket, and there's room to run to pick up a first down. And, you know, the, the rush defense overall has been really strong this season. Now, they haven't faced a running back duo like Blake Corman and Donovan Edwards yet this year either, um, especially considering that Trevion Henderson and, and that crew was very limited when they played Ohio State with injuries and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big test up front. I think if I had a real concern – about the rushing defense, even more so than McCarthy, it would be a similar scenario to what we saw against Ohio State, where we're getting into the fourth quarter, the defense has fought their butts off, and the offense is just not giving them anything and can't stay on the field. And as a result, the defense is able to get worn down by Michigan's just physical attack. I think that would be a, a big concern I would have also about the rush defense. But at that point, that's not totally on the defense either. I, I think that 
you know, if that were to occur, which I think is very possible, if not likely that occurs, that that also falls as much on the offense as it does anything else. Because I, th- I think overall the rush defense is going to be okay on Saturday. And I think being motivated um, after what happened last year when they gave up 480 yards or whatever the hell it was in the big house um, is, is, is as much of a factor as anything else is on Saturday. Great points. Uh, shifting to the Michigan passing attack. Not a passing attack that's going to blow anybody away, but it's a, it's a good one. 257 yards per game this year. J.J. McCarthy uh, has taken a step forward this year as a quarterback. I think he's shown what he can do. I mean, he's a guy who I believe right now may be the Heisman front runner. I know he was a week ago. Uh, I haven't checked the odds this week. But 75% completion percentage, 2,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's efficient. He's a good decision maker. Uh, accurate. Uh, he, he's a very good quarterback. Uh, uh, somebody that you have to get pressure on, or he's going to be able to pick you apart. Now, this Michigan wide receiver room isn't, you know, overly impressive. Rowan Wilson's the best wide receiver of the bunch. Very good receiver. 36 receptions, 589 yards, 10 touchdowns. They also have Cornelius Johnson for 24, 422 and a touchdown. A.J. Barner, uh, Samaj Morgan, and then you have tight end Colston Loveland, who has kind of had a breakout season with 27 receptions, 419 yards, and four touchdowns as well. This is a Penn State secondary that struggled the last few weeks against uh, Ohio State, Indiana, and Maryland. Are you guys concerned at all about this matchup? I think on paper it's one where, yes, Penn State hasn't been playing their best football, but I also I think you have to give Penn State also a little bit of benefit of the Dow. Um you know, you can't look at last week's numbers against Minnesota at face Minnesota against Maryland as face value. You've got to consider the circumstances of that game. Indiana surely wasn't a great game for the secondary. Haas stayed outside JJ McCarthy did a great sorry, JJ. Outside of Marvin Harrison, they did a great job. But this Michigan offense doesn't really have a Marvin Harrison Jr. Roman Wilson's pretty damn good, but he he's not that guy like Harrison Jr. that can completely, uh, you know, wreck an entire defense. Uh, he, he has a chance to do it a couple of plays a game, but uh, I, I'm not sure he will be able to do it consistently enough like a Harrison. I'll start with you, Marty, on this one. Concerns about this matchup for Penn State. You think this is one that Penn State will be able to hold their own against? Uh, what, what's your thoughts? Well, I would say first and foremost, I think anyone who uh, votes for J.J. McCarthy is your Heisman winnership, your Heisman vote revoked because he's done absolutely nothing to garner any meaning in the conversation, in my opinion. Um, secondly, I, I, I think you're spot on with everything you said. They don't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. I think Roman Wilson is by far the best wide receiver in this game on either side, but it's not Marvin Harrison Jr. level. And one thing I will say, too, about this matchup, Michigan, where they like to use Roman Wilson Moses out of the slot. With the struggles of Kalen King, I would argue Daquan Hardy has been not just Penn State's best cornerback this year. He's right there with Adiza Isaac or Curtis Jacobs for their best defensive player this year. I mean, I, I think you could say Daquan Hardy is not just the defensive MVP right now, but maybe in discussion for team MVP. So I, I think that if Michigan continues to line Wilson up in the slot like they like to do a lot, that works well for Penn State because that's going to put him on Daquan Hardy. And right now there's probably no cornerback on this team. I trust more in coverage than Daquan Hardy. Um, 
So I'll be curious to see how that goes if they continue to go that route because I agree. There's not a bad passing game, but the passing game just doesn't – it's not one where you're like, oh, man, if we don't slow this down, we're in trouble. Like, ultimately, Michigan's offense is still going to probably go as far as the running game takes them. So if you can stymie that running game, you can just not let receivers run around open and make explosive plays, tackle well, that sort of thing. I think you'll be okay defensively. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I think the, to me the biggest thing with this passing game is Roman Wilson is without a doubt their best receiver, and they love to use him in the slot. And if that continues, you're lining him up against who has been Penn State's best corner, if not best defensive player this year in Daquan Hardy. And if you're Penn State, that's a matchup that you're – you, you'll take your chances in that matchup every single time. Oh, yeah, great points there. Uh, before I hand off to Anthony, just some key stats on J.J. McCarthy. Um, 151 of his attempts this year have been short uh, passing attempts. Uh, he's 118 for 151 in those attempts or 1,117 yards, three touchdowns. They will take their fair share of deep balls, uh, about 17% of – their passing attempts this year have been on the deep balls. Uh, not a high completion percentage, but McCarthy uh, has a big-time arm. He can make a lot of those throws. Uh, he's thrown eight touchdowns on balls uh, in the air of 20-plus yards this season. Um, and then the, the, about 30% of their passing attack is the medium game or behind the line of scrimmage. But, Anthony, thoughts on Michigan's passing attack against this Penn State secondary? Do you think Penn State secondary can keep – Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, and Chuck uh, for most of Saturday's game? Yeah, I certainly think they have the potential to. I mean, I think Roman Wilson is. I, think I was just going to say. Gonna say let, no, let me go. Let me go. I think Roman Wilson is a very good player. Um, like, But he's not Marvin Harrison Jr. And, you know, the secondary is still, even though they've had two bad games, they're still very, very capable of, you know, being very, very good players. Like, Daquan Hardy has been fantastic this year. Johnny Dixon has been really, really good. Kalen King's been a little bit of a letdown compared to expectations, but ultimately he's still a very, very good player. No one's denying that. So these guys will be fine, especially in coverage. Um, they'll, you know, I think you know Roman Wilson will make plays. Cornelius Johnson will make plays. They're too good not to, but yeah, I'm not expecting either one of those guys to have a Marvin Harrison-type game because you know Marvin Harrison's just on a different level. Yeah, what I was going to say is also worth knowing this is by far the best defense that Michigan has faced this season. The only other defense I think that maybe uh, really gave them fits was Rutgers back in September, uh, and Rutgers kept uh, the Wolverines uh, to uh, 15 for 21, 214, a touchdown through the air. Uh, now Rutgers did allow 201 yards on the ground, but uh, Rutgers was able to have some success against his pass attack, though the pass attack for Michigan has come – more of a threat or as the season's gone along, but by far this is the best defense Michigan's face. And that's kind of the big thing coming to this game for Michigan is Penn state's been challenged by Ohio state this year. Also they failed that test, but Michigan's not been challenged yet this season. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do facing a team that kind of, you know, is at least near their level. I, I'm not sure Penn state is on that Michigan level. Uh, I think the results this season so far show that they're not, but uh, by no means has this Wolverines team been challenged yet this season either. Yeah, and I think that's a valid point. I'll be very curious Saturday, like 
you know, you get into the third, fourth quarter and they're in a dogfight if that happens. Like, that's something they haven't had to do all year. So the first time you have to do that, and especially you have to do it on the road in one of the most hostile environments in, in college football, um, I definitely will be intrigued to see how Michigan responds to that because that, that, that could prove to be a very telling thing in this game is if Penn State's able to come out and punch Michigan in the mouth and able to counter every punch Michigan gets and we get late third, early fourth, and this game's close, how does a non-battle-tested Michigan team respond? I mean – you know, you, you now the counter of that, like Penn State has only been really tested once all year. Now, Penn State's played a tougher schedule. I would say I, I, Iowa is better than anybody Michigan has beaten, in my opinion. And West Virginia is probably better than anybody other than maybe Rutgers that Michigan has beaten. And Penn State dispatched both of them easily. But the, the one time Penn State really has been battle-tested, we all, we all know what happened in Columbus. It wasn't pretty. But I, I still think there's something to that to see how – does Michigan respond if this does prove to be the first time all year they find themselves in a four-quarter game where they're in a dogfight late, especially with it being on the road? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, we probably should have mentioned it. Jim Harbaugh still had, still, you know, coaching this week, and things uh, with that have kind of, I don't know the best word, sputtered uh, Some. Along those lines, over the last few days, it's kind of just sputtering in the mud right now uh, as the Big Ten uh, waits to make its decision. Uh, with, you know, kickoff now about thir- 40 hours away, I don't think we're going to have any decision about this, about Harbaugh or Michigan this week. So that he will be there, which definitely, you know, could help in those fourth quarters because, you know, if he wasn't available, th- that changes how a coach could call a game late. So, uh, don't have to worry about that uh, when it comes to Michigan. Flip into Michigan's defense against Penn State's offense. I think this is where it comes down to. I mean, based off Penn State's defense, Penn State is going to give their offense a chance to win this game on Saturday. Agreed? Yeah, but, I'm more concerned about the offense, not giving yes. the defense a chance and vice versa. Uh, correct. Penn State's defense is going to give the offense probably plenty of opportunities to win this game. If the Penn State defense comes out and gets absolutely smacked up and down the field for four quarters, I would be very, very surprised. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, could if the offense sputters out like they had, they did so in Ohio, at Ohio State, could that happen late in the game? Absolutely, but I don't think it's going to happen for four quarters. When you look at how Penn State's offense matches up against this Michigan defense, it's hard to pick a place where Penn State is going to be able to have success because at no point this season has Michigan kind of shown any weakness defensively of where an opposing team, opposing offense can hurt them. Again, though, what offense has Michigan played this year? Not saying Penn State's offense is elite by any means, but – Penn State's offense is better than any offense that Michigan has faced this season. Michigan's the Michigan's fa- Michigan's faced this season: East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, and Purdue. I mean, the, many of those are amongst the worst offenses in the entire country. Penn State may not be explosive, but Penn State has the ability to for most of the season, move the ball. They didn't do so against Ohio State. We all know that. Will they do so on Saturday remains to be seen. But, again, it comes down to being challenged. Has this Michigan defense really been challenged yet? It's by it's obviously a really good defense. Don't get me wrong. 
But I, I think one of the reasons it's hard to find a place where Michigan can be tested on Saturday is one of the reasons it's hard to find that place is because they simply haven't been tested at all, much like the defense hasn't been tested. Uh, Marty, I'll go back to you, and then Anthony, you can give your thoughts. No, I agree. I mean, Michigan really hasn't been tested. I mean, Rutgers is a good football team, but Rutgers is a team built on running the ball and playing strong defense. Um, two things. I mean, the running the ball aspect, Michigan was able outside of one run by Gavin Wimsett to completely smother and allowed them to pull away in the second half of that game. But, yeah, they, they haven't played anybody else with a pulse whatsoever. And, again, I think that's a factor. Like, yeah, I mean, right now I would say Michigan is the worst, the second-best team in the country behind Georgia based on the eye test. But again, they, they, they've played absolutely nobody. So I think Saturday is going to be a big test of just how good Michigan really is. And, you know, on top of that, it's again, not to repeat myself, but if we get into the fourth quarter and Penn State has a lead or this is, you know, 21, 17 Michigan with seven minutes to go and they got to punt the ball away and get Penn State a chance. Like, how do they respond? We don't know how they're going to respond. Penn State, we saw how they responded in a situation like that against Ohio state. And it wasn't good, but then they were put in a pretty dire situation against Indiana and responded in a great way. And they came out and kicked the crap out of Maryland. Like I'm confident in saying Penn state has that resiliency, has that fight in them, even against Ohio state, they recovered that onside kick in a final minute. Who knows? You know, you you were could have gone down and been a two point conversion away from time the game. So I'm confident Penn State will re- would respond positively to that. We don't know how Michigan will respond. And that's not to say they respond negatively. We simply don't know. Because what's been Michigan's closest game this year? That Rutgers game when it was 31 to 7 or whatever, I think. Um I think that's 31 the- 31. There was 31-7 Rutgers, yeah. Yeah. They had so 31-6 we- game to bowling green as well. Yeah, and that's bowling green, a game which JJ McCarthy threw three interceptions. Like we we just we don't no, we haven't seen it, and until we do, it's impossible to know how they're going to react. And I think that that's something to watch Saturday because there there are plenty of teams in the history of football who look like world beaters, and the first time they find themselves in a fight, especially when it's this late in the season, I think that's a factor here too. The fact that it's it's Veterans Day and they haven't played a damn team with a heartbeat um, is a factor as well. Like we, we we just simply don't know how Michigan will respond if they find themselves in that position. You know, we'll get into yeah. this later, but to me, I think it's very important that Penn State come out and, and score first in this game. And that's part of the reason yeah. why is to put Michigan's back against the wall for the put them up against the ropes, something they haven't done all year, and see how they respond to it. Well, let me ask you this: If you're Penn State and you win the coin toss, do you go the gutsy route and maybe take the ball first to try to get that first touchdown? Yes, I don't know. That's a tough. I'm. Because I'm a big believer. I'm a big believer in taking the second half kickoff. I'm a big believer in the middle eight. And I know James Franklin is too. I know Dabo Sweet. I know a lot of coaches are. I'm a big believer in the middle eight. And that's where I – I think if this – honestly, if this was in Ann Arbor, I think I'd take the ball at Beaver Stadium. I think I would would defer. Trust the defense. Yeah, give me my middle eight. Put my defense out there. Let this crowd get rocking early. I, I would probably still defer to the second half. Because in Ann Arbor, I think I would take the ball. Uh, I, I think that's a good point because as much as the late game is going to decide this, that middle eight may also ultimately decide this game. Who, if you know, if Penn State can get a field goal and then come out of halftime and get a touchdown, or vice versa for Michigan, if if they are able to get a field goal going into halftime, they get a touchdown. That that right there could decide this game on Saturday. Um, Anthony, um, 
just your thoughts on how Penn State's offense matches up against this Michigan defense. Again, really hasn't been tested. Michigan, you know, gave up. Let me, I have it sorted by scores right now. I mean, Michigan gave up 4.3 yards per carry against Purdue last week, but uh, this isn't a Michigan rushing attack that's really given up much this year. I mean, they've only given up more than four yards a carry, four more yards a carry three times this year, and two of those were in September. Yeah, listen, I don't know if this directly answers the question you just asked me. No, yeah, just give me your thoughts. This is what I'm going to say about Penn State's offense in this game. The running game, as much as it's going to be important and as much as you know, we can get into why Katron Allen should be the guy getting 20-plus carries this week, but that's another that's a question or a topic for another day, it's really going to depend on how Drew plays, and that's pretty much every game you can point to that, but this game in particular because you watched him play last week, and for the first time all year, Drew looked like he was, you know, a, like a really, really good quarterback. He played free. He played easy. He let things happen. He let routes develop. And he made nice throws. He stepped into his throws, delivered them with accuracy and velocity. He looked like a five-star quarterback last week. Now, with the caveat that Maryland's defense clearly is not that good, and anybody with a pulse can look good playing against Maryland, a Maryland team that had obviously given up. But at the same time, that version of Drew needs to show up this weekend. Yeah. Is Michigan going to let him be like 23 of 30 for three? What? No, they're not. Like, he's not going to put up those type of numbers. And if he does, start the Heisman conversation. If they do, he, they, Penn State should win this game if he does that. Yeah, yeah. Penn State would probably win this game if he did that. I'm not expecting that. And I'm he doesn't necessarily need to do that to win. But – he needs to be willing to take chances. They, they can't be this conservative team that showed up against Ohio State. It's just not going to work. If he goes out there and throws three interceptions because he was too aggressive, I could almost live with that more than if he was super conservative, didn't throw any interceptions, but only had 150 yards. Like, like take your chances. You have to in this game like because you're not beating Michigan by being three yards in a cloud of dust. It's just not happening. They, they have to come out willing to take their chances and take their opportunities. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But give it a shot. I think that's uh, perfectly well said. James Franklin said this week that, you know, they're, they're going to have to take uh, – I forget if he gave the exact number, but they're going to have to take, you know, five, four or five, six chances in this game probably offensively to have a chance to win it. You don't have to go out there taking a chance every single drive, but they're going to have to, you know, go go deep quite a few times in this game, try to get those big chunk plays because I, I don't expect them to come on the ground. Let's be honest. At this point in the season, if the run game isn't having those chunk plays, it, it's probably not going to happen at this point. Um, the passing attack, there's a little bit more avenue for that to happen. Uh, now it, it will be tough against Michigan, but there's a little bit bigger avenue for that to happen. Uh, but I definitely agree that Penn State, they can't rush on their laurels. They can't try to, as we said in the last episode, Penn State can now win Saturday's game playing Michigan football. They have to do what they did the last few years under James Franklin and Mike Yurcich with Sean Clifford, a quarterback. They have to be creative. They have to be one to take the deep shots. Penn State last year against Ohio State threw the ball 50 times. 
Sean Clifford threw for almost 400 yards. He had three interceptions in the process, but, you know, yes, those turnovers ended up being a factor of why Penn State lost that game. But if Sean Clifford doesn't throw the ball 50 times that game for and do what he did outside those turnovers, Penn State probably doesn't even come close to winning that game. And once they had the lead going into the last, what, nine minutes? So I think Penn State has to be creative on Saturday. I think they have to be willing to take the deep shot. I think they need to allow Drew to be the quarterback they think it can be. I mean, this is kind of a early legacy-defining game for Drew. I mean, Drew, if he's the quarterback that we think he is, he probably isn't here after next season. Uh, so I, I think I think they need to let Drew loose. They, they did so last week. He looked good. I mean, let, let the kids show up on Saturday and let him just play and, and let him take those shots and show off his arm. He has the arm to make those NFL throws that can beat uh, a, Michigan, a Michigan secondary like this. But at some point, you got to either let the kids sink or swim. And there's no tomorrow at this point for Penn State. You lose this game, it's it's a failure of a season. If, if you win this game, it's a whole new outlook on – uh, the season, even you don't make the playoffs, and it's a whole new outlook going into next year, too. One more thing before I let Marty say something. I mean, creativity is not just doing three or four trick plays where KLS is trying to throw the ball downfield. No more of that stupid crap. Maybe you can do it once or twice, but like it needs to be timed right for it to work because I'm sick of seeing it. You know, creativity is to me in an offense is kind of what they did against Maryland last week. You know, scheming Tyler Warren open on fourth and one. You know, having Khalil Dinkins streaking wide open down the field, you know, on that one third down play. Like, that to me is offensive creativity, and that's what this team needs. No more of these, you know, these, you know, little like trick plays that most of the time don't work anyway. And you're depending on your wide receiver to chuck it 30 yards downfield and be accurate, just scheme a good game and get your guys open and tell Drew to wait that extra second or two and let your wide receiver break open and, and don't take just the underneath route every single time. Marty, anything to add? No, I just completely agree. They're going to be creative. Um, and like Anthony said, creative is not one ridiculously stupid trick play after another when you're getting momentum on offense. You guys scheme guys open. You need to be aggressive. Let Drew push the ball down the field. Um, you, you have to... We have to see the offense we saw against Maryland. The receivers have to step up and make plays. They absolutely have to. I, I think the receivers have to step up and make plays to prevent this game from being a blowout, let alone to give Penn State a chance to win the game. Um, yeah, you 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 cannot leave anything in the bag this week if you're Mike Harris. You need to empty the bag, empty the toolbox, and then some on Saturday. You, you've got to – anything you've got up your sleeve needs to come out on Saturday. And, and two obvious ones here uh, uh, for keys for this Penn State offense, but th- there's two things they can afford to do in this game uh, or they have to do in this game. They have to play clean football. You have to take chances, but th- this isn't a game that they can turn the ball over three, four times. you got to keep the turnovers to probably one at most in this game to have a chance to win. This is a Michigan defense that has forced 15 turnovers this season. And then they have to do what they didn't do against Ohio State, and that's convert on third down. Yeah, Penn State, I, I think, on Saturday has to convert at least, what, a 35%, 40% clip to have a shot, a shot to win this game? 
and that's going to be tough to do because this this Michigan defense is honestly incredibly good, and they're they've been stellar against the uh, a third down offense this season, keeping opponents to a twenty nine percent conversion rate. Uh, so that that that's going to be a, a big one to watch. Those are going to be two big things to watch this weekend for Penn State. If they can play a clean game and they can convert on third downs, they're going to give themselves a much better shot to win than they did against Ohio State. Mostly just by converting on third down, really. You got to stay ahead of the sticks. Any other key keys you guys can think of for the offense or want to add for the offense when it comes to winning this game? I think you got to you got to be able to run the ball at least somewhat successfully. I mean, they got to average th- probably close to four yards per carry. I don't think that you win this game averaging less. Uh, you got to stick with the hot hand, whether that's Katron or Nick. I-, I think you need one of those guys to step up and have a big game this weekend. You obviously need Drew to step up and have a big game, but that's obvious if Drew doesn't have a big game or a good game, uh, Penn State doesn't have a shot. But that's uh, Katron. Anybody you guys think is uh, – a must for Penn State's offense to step up this week? Wide receiver, receiver, tight end? Receivers. Again, I I think the receivers have to step up to prevent this game from getting ugly, let alone to give Penn State a chance to win. Anthony? Yeah, I mean, how do you not say the receivers? You can go the offensive line if you want to, but, I mean, you need somebody besides, you know, KLS, who's going to be on Will Johnson most of the day, most likely. So he's probably going to be, I don't want to say kept in check, but you need somebody else, whoever's not on Will Johnson, to, to make some plays. Oh, and let's, let's go to that quickly. Any worries here about Penn State's offensive line against this Michigan front seven? Uh, this is a Penn State offensive line that struggled against Ohio State's front seven. This is all, This front seven in Michigan – may give Penn State a run for the money as the best front seven in the Big Ten, if not the country. Uh, what's your alert, you guys' worry levels there? I think I think it has to be a concern to match up for Penn State fans. This is a uh, this is a Penn State offensive line that for the last two seasons has played really well in tw- – what? how many games are we in this season? Ten? Nine? Nine games in? Nine games this year? Uh, Thirteen games last year? So – 20 of the last 22 games, they've played really good football. Um, but two of the games that they've played really terrible football in or last year have been against Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, I was going to mention this actually because I think Penn State's interior offensive line played absolutely terrible against Ohio State. And I think Michigan's defensive tackles in front seven are better than Ohio State. So I think that's a major concern. I think yep. the tackles would be okay. Olu obviously is very good. Caden Wallace has quietly had a really strong season. But the interior of this offensive line really misses Landon Tangwall because the interior of this offensive line, I mean, I, I know, Dylan, you're not a big Hunter Norzad guy. I think I personally think Norzad's been much better this year than you do. But that said, the, the interior of this offensive line just isn't where it needs to be, especially at the guard position. I think these guards are just have just been average at best. And we saw an Ohio State defensive line in front seven that is not as good as Michigan's absolutely dominate them in Columbus. So that that's a major concern of mine also. Yeah, I do think Connor Nersat has been playing better of late, but I think it's also worth fair pointing out that his worst games of the season so far have come against some of the bigger, more talented defensive lines they've faced in West Virginia, Ohio State, and Illinois. Uh, Anthony. 
Yeah, I agree with Marty that the interior has been definitely more of a disappointment than the tackles, which is not what we're used to. So if you're looking for any sort of silver lining, it's that the tackles have been solid. Obviously, you expected Olu to be good, and he has been good. I know JTT cooked him a few times, but JTT seems to turn into, you know, a, a demigod whenever he goes up against Penn State anyway. It doesn't matter. They could have um, Trent Williams out there at left tackle, and JTT would probably get three sacks on him when he plays Penn State. It just is what it is. Um, but Caden Wallace has been solid, and you know, I think Leonard yeah. has been okay. It's just been those other two guard spots that have been a little mediocre. You know, Sal, Sal Wormley never really impressed me. So I just think he he is what he is at this point. I still think I have um I have still have a lot of hope for JB Nelson and Vega Ioni. I think they could be very very good players. They still got time, but um I think Ioni is going to continue to get better specifically. But yeah, I mean the guards need to be better. Going back to defensive side of the ball quickly, uh, what we've seen the last few years with this Penn State front seven, and it, and it makes sense. Uh, the best way to beat them is to get the ball out of the hands quickly. Uh, they, they've been great for most of the time, but against Ohio State, they were kept quiet because Ohio State's one offensive line stepped up and two, they got the ball quickly. Any concerns about Michigan neutralizing this Penn State rushing attack? Chop Robinson and Amin Vano were both practicing on Wednesday. Both appeared to be full participants. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to play on Saturday, but it's a good sign both are practicing. Uh, do I mean, I, I think this is a game where Penn State, Penn State's going to win. The the pass rush has to show up. You have to get pressure on J.J. McCarthy throughout this game. And I know we already talked about defense, but we didn't talk about this, and we should. I, I mean, I, I think maybe that matchup right there is almost as important as any matchup in this game. Because if Penn State can get pressure on J.J. McCarthy, if Penn State can get into the backfield consistently in this game, it's going to make Michigan's day a lot harder on offense, and it's going to give Penn State's offense probably a few better opportunities when it comes to field position. I think, Anthony? I think Michigan's offensive line has the potential at least to neutralize the defensive line on its own, let alone yeah. getting the ball out you know, early. I mean, I'm sure Michigan's going to try to do that as much as they can because they obviously respect the uh, the pass rush of Penn State. But Back-to-back back Joe Moore work. Joe Moore Award winners in yeah, Michigan's offensive line. I, I was going to get to that if you let me finish, but they were the yeah the like you said the two time back to back Joe Joe Moore Award. I almost said Joe Moorehead. Yeah, I almost did too. Award winners. So you know, like they're very good, very very good in their own right, and you know, it, I'm not even sure Michigan needs to get the ball out quickly in order to neutralize the pass rush. They're good enough to do it just with the O line. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to watch uh, when Penn State does get Michigan to punt opportunities, how punter Tommy Doman uh, does this season. Averaging 44.8 yards per punt, averaged 43 last week, 46 the week before. Uh, but he's had some clunkers in there as well. So uh, that will also be something key to watch because if Penn State, it, it, it's going what really will be tough for the defense is Penn State's defense when they have Michigan backed up really cannot afford to give a ton of yardage uh, get allow Michigan to get close to midfield just because uh, the offense, the Penn State offense will need all the help they can get. Uh, but Marty, thoughts on the Michigan uh, offensive line keeping Penn State's defensive line quiet this weekend, possibly? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a really good offensive line, obviously. Um, and I, Michigan's passing attack is one that looks to get the ball out quickly to begin with, too. So it, that's that's not a good combination if you're Penn State. With that defensive line being your strength, I mean, if you're going to pull the upset, you probably need a game. You know, you, you go back to that 2016 Ohio State game. What was the key factor there? Penn State's defense events completely took over and wrecked that game. You probably need something like that to happen on Saturday. And it's not it's not because I don't think Penn State – I think Penn State's defensive line is really damn good. I just – I think the way Michigan runs their passing game combined with how good Michigan's offensive line is – I, I don't I don't think we see that happen. I think they'll do a pretty good job of neutralizing things, especially if Chop. I mean, I would assume Chop's probably going to give it a go, but if Chop can't play or is limited, then I really think it could be a, a good day for Michigan's offensive line. The, the real question with Michigan, the hard thing with Michigan too, with being um, overly aggressive in this game, is that Penn is that Michigan has the offensive capabilities to take advantage of an overly aggressive. Uh, defense. I mean, Penn State can try, you know, all out blitzes in this game, but JJ McCarthy and this Michigan offense have the pieces to uh, you know, make you wish you weren't as aggressive. So I mean, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Manny Diaz does when he gets in those opportunities to be super aggressive. How many people does he send? Will he ever send the house? I mean, cuz to a degree I, I think for Penn State you want to ha- have as much speed out there as possible in the pass or rush. I mean, I, I would try to get Isaac, Deny Sutton, and Robinson, if Robinson's able to play, out on the field quite a bit uh, in those passing situations. Um, uh, one, I, I think Penn, Penn State absolutely needs Chop Robinson back in this game, but two, I, I think the X factor in this game defensively in the pass rush is going to be denying Dennis Sutton. This is the opportun- opportunity for him to have that breakout game, uh, he he has the capabilities to make it a game change of play. Because um, if Robinson plays, he's going to get a lot of the uh, attention from Michigan. Adisa Isaac will as well. But um, I, I think this is a game where Dennis Sutton may be that X factor and could be a guy that potentially is a game changer for Penn State. Yeah, I mean, he's a five-star player. I mean, these are the types of games where you want your five-star guys to step up. You know, we talked about Chop and Isaac for a long time, and deservedly so. They're very, very good players. They're going to be top three-round picks in the draft. Chop could be a first-round pick. You need a guy like DDS that's going to step up. So we'll see if he has it in him this weekend. I mean, it's he's, he's got all the tools. He's flashed at times. This is, uh, this is the moment where he's got to step up and make some plays. I mean – a great example of that. Uh, you just have to go look at Col- in Columbus. Uh, JT Tui, I forget his last name, but JTT over there for most of his career has done, let's be honest, kind of nothing. But against Penn State, he turns into the best defensive end in the country. They, they need they they need cha they need one of their guys potentially deny Dennis Son to step up like that this week. I just want to say, bless your heart for trying to say his last name. Anyone who's ever listened to us for a long period of time will know your history with trying to say uh, DJ Uyangalele. So, I uh, bless your heart for trying it, Dylan. Tui Malau, Malawi, I don't know. Uh, Marty? Yeah, I agree. I, you mentioned JTT, you know. Like you said, he, he hasn't always been consistent in his career at Ohio State. 
But when they've needed him to, he, he stepped up and he showed why he was a five-star guy. And Penn State needs that this weekend from Chop Robinson. Penn State needs that. I mean, to me, it's a little bit different because Chop has obviously been extremely consistent and extremely just, just, just a, a dude throughout his career at Penn State. Uh, denied Dennis Sutton has started to become that. Um, but but you need these guys to remind everybody why they were five-star recruits this weekend because these are the kind of games where your five-star recruits need to step up, perform to that level if you're going to win, especially when you're going into it as an underdog. Well said. Um, special teams, I feel like in this game, maybe Penn State has a little bit of an advantage on, but I think for the most part is a wash. Um, uh, these are both very sound fundamentally special team programs. Um not much really there to discuss. Um, though in a game like this, special teams may be the ultimate deciding factor in a game. Um, either one of you have concerns about Penn State special teams in this game? I mean, I think Alex Falcons has shown that he can be reliable. Riley Thompson has been playing pretty well lately. I mean, the only really negative you can look at is they can't afford Daquan Hardy to not field a punt near the 50-yard line this time because uh, that was – probably an error against Ohio state that we don't talk about enough. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I can't really, I, I, I don't see a scenario where special teams really plays a big factor in this one. I think it's either going to be Penn state's going to come out and be explosive on offense and allow the defense to settle in and have a good game, or that's not going to happen and special teams won't matter. So I, I don't think it's going to be a huge deal here. Anthony? Yeah, I mean, it would it would be nice if Hardy would could house one in this game. You know, it seems like, you know, obviously we've only had this happen once where Penn State's won this type of game, but obviously special teams played a huge factor in that victory back in 2016. So, yeah, if special teams could show up, it, it could be a huge difference in this game. But, but like Marty, I don't really see it being a huge difference. You know, Penn State tends to not be aggressive in special teams unless they absolutely need to be like aka they're trailing so it'd be nice if they were but i i don't expect it to really make much of an impact all right um let's let's go to recruit and then we'll come back and give our predictions for the game um it's a big big recruiting weekend for penn state um happy valley and our subscribers can go and get the full list of visitors over at PennStateRivals.com. Let's go over some of these key guys um, who will be on campus uh, this weekend. Um, Let me pull up uh, the list. Uh, There is a bunch of commitments who will be on campus this weekend. Um, But uh, to start off with the notable visitors, offensive tackle Andrew Dennis, three-star prospect out of Mount Pleasant, Michigan, former Michigan State. Commitment will be on campus this weekend for his official visit. Um, this is one to watch. Not going to say, I, I don't think by any means is a commitment watch um, on on for this, but this is going to be a key visit to watch just because uh, Penn State definitely is pursuing Dennis here um, pretty hard. He also has physical visits to Purdue, Illinois, and Clemson set. Uh, I like Penn State's chances in this one. Um I know they already have a few offensive linemen in this class, but Dennis is definitely somebody they would be willing to take to add to that group. Uh, I, I think a very underrated recruit, even for us. I think he's somebody who could be 
uh, receiving a bump. Anthony, any thoughts on Andrew Dennis making his official visit this weekend? Um, uh, yeah, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, he was a guy that when he decommitted from Michigan State, um, I think it was a guy that Penn State had on the radar. And he's yeah. probably more of a guard at the next at the college level compared to a tackle, but he's a really, really good player. I personally think Rivals has him a little too low, like you said. I think he could get that four-star bump. Um, Penn State really, really wants him. Um, I think he's got a yeah. couple other official visits set up um, to the teams that you talked about. Yeah. So I don't think this is one that's going to end this weekend or anything like that, but Penn State puts on a good showing, shows him a good time. Um, he could, they could put themselves in, in pole position going into the rest of his recruitment. Yeah, and I think the gut, the gut feeling I have on this, based off what I've learned, is I like Penn State's chances in this recruitment overall, but that Clemson offer and official visit is probably the one outside of Penn State that I'll be watching the closest. Um because even though Columbus is having a down season, the Tigers are always dangerous in recruiting. Any thoughts on Andrew Dennis's visit, Marty? No, I think you guys nailed it. It definitely seems like it's probably going to be a Penn State Clemson recruitment from what I've gathered as well. Um, and like Anthony said, I think you know, you're not going to end it this weekend, but you have a chance to really cement yourself as the team to beat moving forward. I mean, an official visit to Clemson is always something that's noteworthy, but uh, – it does seem like Penn State's got a chance to put some distance between themselves and the field this weekend. Moving to class 2025, uh, Penn State has an interesting trio of quarterbacks on campus this weekend. I would say their top three quarterback targets in the 2025 recruiting class, at least realistic targets. Bryce Underwood obviously is a target. Underwood is set to commit on January 6th, I believe. Um, but uh, that seems like it's going to be a um, – I'd have to guess an LSU-Colorado battle the most. Penn State technically in it, but I would definitely lean towards those two uh, being the favorites. But the quarterbacks on campus this weekend will be uh, Severed Maryland, Malik Washington, Finley Ohio's, Ryan Montgomery, and then Roarsford, Pennsylvania's Matt Zollers, the latter being the most recent receiving offer. Um, we talked about this before going live. It feels like it's a matter of time until Penn State receives a quarterback commitment Probably not this weekend, but whenever they do receive a commitment, I, I'm gonna. It, it feels like it's gonna be one of these three. Um, Washington, they've been doing well for for quite a while. Montgomery, they've been in a very good spot for quite a while. Montgomery has just come off a visit to Auburn, has a few other Southern schools interested in him, and then Zoller's recruitment is still kind of taking off. As a kid who really just emerged this fall. Uh, as terms of a top regional prospect. Um, any thoughts on these three quarterbacks, guys? There's really not much to add to that. Obviously, I want to keep some things to our subscribers, but uh, any thoughts on these three quarterbacks? Any – start with you, Anthony. Yeah, I honestly think that uh, those three being on campus at the same time is probably the most interesting recruiting storyline of this game. Sure. Um, I would agree with you that I would go out on a limb and say that Penn State's 2025 quarterback will most likely be one of these three guys. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, what kind of impact this weekend has on those guys. And, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a commitment from any of them this weekend or anything like that. So it's not like it's an immediate issue. But if one of those guys wanted to commit, 
a month or two down the line from now, per se, I'm just spitballing here. How would that affect the other guys? Like, I'd, I'd be very interested to know, like, who they're prioritizing, who they're most interested in. And it, it's it's a very interesting storyline to me. Yeah, at some point, this really may become a, a almost a first-come, first-served type of position for Penn State in this class. Because I think at, at this point, they're comfortable with all three quarterbacks. I, I mean, I, I think they'd love to take two, but I don't think there's a shot that any of these – guys want to be in a two-man clash just because I think they all believe they can be a starting quarterback in the next level, and I'd agree with that. Um, Marty, any thoughts on these three quarterbacks? I agree with Anthony. I think the quarterback in the class likely is one of the three. Um, I think from what I've seen in the three, Washington is probably the one I like the best for what it's worth. Um, I think he has the most upside. Yeah, but but with Montgomery, Montgomery is a, bat, is a uh, Brad Mandler guy, isn't he? Yeah. 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 So that that's always something to watch too. You know, with between Drew, you know, Grunkemeyer, uh, the Brad Mandler guys, the Penn State connection is definitely something to watch. So uh yeah, but I, I will agree with Anthony. I think the I would be I would be surprised if the quarterback of the class is not one of these three. Unless you Zola is getting his offer, even if Washington and Montgomery go elsewhere, I, I have a hard time seeing them missing on all three of them. Montgomery Concern a potential decision in the winter. We're not sure on on Washington's uh, decision timeline yet, nor Zoller's. Um, but uh, with that potential des- winter decision for Montgomery, that will be something to watch here. Um, Cincinnati, Colorado, Florida, Georgia Tech, Georgia, all have offered Montgomery. But right now it seems like his recruitment appears to be South Carolina, Florida, Penn State, and Auburn. That's a considering the four other programs, considering the circumstances, that feels like a very winnable recruitment for Penn State. All three of these recruitments really are very winnable for Penn State. But uh, with the Montgomery, you know, recruitment in general, the connections there, um, I, I can see I can see him being the guy. I, you can see any three of these guys really being the guy. But um, yeah, those Montgomery connections just stand out in my mind quite a bit in this one. And it makes sense why. Moving off to quarterbacks, there's a lot of other really high prospects on campus this week. Uh, highly ranked prospects. Quincy Porter out of Burgeon Catholic in New Jersey, wide receiver. Um, defensive tackle Trent Wilson out of Henry Wise in Maryland. Linebacker Kamar Archie out of the Hunt School in New Jersey. Uh, Jameer Joseph out of St. Joe's Regional in New Jersey. The list goes on and on in the 2025 class. Any of these names stand out to you, Marty? I mean, I think Trent Wilson's got to be the guy you mentioned here, yep. right? I mean, top top 50 guy I think we have him as a rival, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, top, top 50, top 75 about. Yeah, for, for 2025, defensive tackle. 87. Um, we have him at 87. Okay, regardless, top 100, defensive tackle in the region. He's been to Penn State. Well, I this think is what? I know it's at least his second visit in season, if not third. I believe overall, I just wrote it earlier today, uh, this will be unofficial visit number five. Yeah, and I think he was what? He was in for the West Virginia game, but yep. he was in for the out. Like, th- this seems to be a recruitment where it's – you don't ever want to say a top 100 defensive tackle um, is a shoe-in or whatever because it's not. But They're the team to beat. Get, you don't get a lot of defensive tackles of this caliber in the region. You've yep. got one in the region. You're very clearly not just early front runners, but have a huge lead. And that's a recruitment Penn State's got to win. It's a recruitment they've got to win, in my opinion. And it's a recruitment that right now they're in position where they probably should. 
if not likely will win it. So just, just keep getting him on campus. Cause I, I think one, one thing that gets lost in Penn state recruiting a lot is you don't have a lot of those top 50 to top 100 type interior defensive linemen in the region. When you get them, you, you've got to keep them home if you're Penn state. And right now it looks like they're, they are in a very good position in his recruitment thus far to keep Wilson home. Anthony, any thoughts on Trent Wilson's visit? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he made it in for the whiteout. So I, he was definitely at West Virginia. I, I'm not 100% sure about the whiteout. But you know, either way, it's either his second or his third visit in the past you know, two or three months. That's, yeah. that's a big deal. Um, he doesn't seem like a kid that takes a ton of visits. So the fact not that, that we know of, yeah. So the fact that he keeps coming back to Penn State when he ha- probably has other opportunities to go elsewhere, to me, is a big deal. And you know, Penn State, I, I would agree, is probably either at the top or right near the top of his list right now. And you know, you got to be able to take advantage of that momentum because, like, like Marty said, you don't have a lot of you know elite defensive tackles in your recruiting footprint. Yep. When you get one and he's clearly interested in you, you got to find a way to close that deal. And defense tackle has been obviously one of the positions in which Penn State um, has struggled at recruiting the most over the last few years. And and this is that type of elite talent that could put them over the top on the defensive line. Not that the defensive line has been bad by any means, but the one thing they've missed is that big athletic defense tackle who can be a game wrecker. He fits the mold. Uh Another kid uh, from uh, the DMV who will be on campus, four-star athlete, cornerback uh, Tariq Hare out of St. John's uh, St. John's College High in Washington, D.C. Uh, this will be his fourth trip to Penn State, uh, first one in over a year, I believe. This is going to be, a, this is gonna, I think, a big visit for him going forward just because it will be the first time he's on campus in quite a while. Penn State's been in a solid spot for him. Good chance to gain some momentum in the Hare of recruitment this weekend. Um, but the one I, I think that we really want to talk about here, uh, and if he does make it, it'll be very notable. If he doesn't, it is what it is. But four-star wide receiver, top 100 prospect, Adrian Wilson out of Pflugerville, Texas, an Oregon commitment, looking to make it to Penn State this weekend. Um, the, I mean, Penn State – has one wide receiver, sorry, three wide receivers come in in this class uh, in Peter Gonzalez, Tizer Denmark, Josiah Brown. Um, but they've been looking for that fourth guy. Wilson, they just offered, is it? A, is there a high chance they flip him? No, but if they can get Wilson on campus here this weekend for a visit, that's going to be notable. And there's a chance they can, you know, garner enough momentum here to maybe pull a late official visit sometime in December. Um, Marty, I'll start with you. Thoughts on potentially getting Adrian Wilson here on campus, former TCU commitment, now Oregon commitment, number 55 in the country. Well, Wilson, unless I'm looking at this wrong, Wilson's a 2025 recruit. So, uh, all right. So official visit next, next year. I mean, it doesn't change the fact that the wide receiver room is pretty freaking barren and can, and can take, you're going to take all the help you can get and getting him up here from Texas on his own dime. Um, while he's committed to Oregon, like all of that's pretty telling of some mutual interest there. So yeah, ho- hopefully, you know, you can have a good visit this weekend. 
get him back for a junior day or something in December or January. And then, like you said, set it up down the road for an official visit next year. Cause I mean, he, like I said, it's a kid from Texas. He's committed to Oregon. He's coming all the way to Penn state on his own dime. Um, that's pretty telling that there was some legitimate interest on his end. Um, and Hey, you know, like you see recruitments like this, where sometimes you don't want to be the first or even the second commitment. And his recruitment may prove to be one of those, but this definitely a, a step towards, you know, getting him back on campus in, in the winter time for a junior day and then for an official visit potentially down the road. Yeah, I was thinking of 2024 for some reason. Penn State obviously has no wide receivers come in in the 2025 class. But uh, Wilson, I mean, that that is a big fish that they're going to potentially try to go after here. We'll see what they can garner there. Anthony, any hope on your part that Penn State can uh, gain some positive momentum if Wilson does show up on campus this weekend? Positive momentum, sure, but I wouldn't expect too much to come from it just personally. But sure. I mean, hey, you can't win the raffle if you don't buy a ticket, as I like to say sometimes. So get the kid on campus. You never know what can happen. You're always going to welcome top 100 talent. Uh, any any thoughts from either of you on Tariq Hare? Uh, I, I know Penn State's very high on him, uh, obviously, but uh, – uh, I, I definitely think that's just one again to watch closely going forward because uh, that's one that I think Penn State would love to get done sooner than later. I think there's a good, very good chance they land him uh, at some point here in the future. I'm interested to see if he's a corner or a safety at the next level, but in terms yeah. of his recruitment, yeah, I think I think Penn State's, you know, they've got a chance at him. So we'll see if they can uh, build some positive momentum this weekend. Uh, other prospects on campus, Charlandon Strange out of uh, Sheltonham confirmed to us he'll be on campus. That's another 250 kid. Um, we talked about Kamar Archie. We talked about uh, Quincy Porter, where we mentioned um, Jameer Joseph. Uh, going to 2027 class, quarterback Larry Munaf, Central Catholic, is on campus again this weekend. That is uh, – and by no means am I saying to watch this one closely. But I'm just saying, the more Penn State can get Larry Moon on campus early in his recruitment, I think is going to have a chance to play a huge impact in his recruitment. Um, I personally believe Larry Moon is not just a great elite cornerback. I think there is an argument that he may be the best cornerback in the entire state of Pennsylvania as a freshman. He is that damn good. Um, I think he is high four-star, five-star potential. This is a type of kid that can be a game-changer in the secondary a couple years down the road. Penn State's done a good job with him so far. This is the type of kid they just have to keep getting on campus and working on over the next few years. But I think I'm just trying to sell Larry Moonstock here. Just remember the name because the kid is elite. I don't know. Marty, I see you shaking your head. I don't know how much you've seen of him or watched of him, but an elite talent. Yeah, I, I know you're you're not the only one who thinks Larry Moon is the next dude out of the Whippeal. Um, he he is, he is. I mean, I'm not gonna say he's going to be very good. He already is very good. Like you said, he's a freshman and might be the best cornerback in the state. That is firmly, like you said, in the camp. Just keep getting him on campus. Let Terry Smith do his thing with people from Western PA. I mean. Terry is seemingly somehow related to every top recruit that comes out of the Western half of the state. Yeah. Um, just, just let, let Terry do his thing for the next however many years. And, and yeah, this is one that, like you said, it's not going to end anytime soon. 
I mean, for God's sake, my oldest son is in eighth grade and Larry Moon's only a year older than him. But um, it, it's definitely one where you just keep getting him on campus because down the road, this is a kid who you definitely want to get in your class. And I mean, again, he's been to Penn State a bunch already. So you seem to be in a really good early spot. For sure. Um, bit outside of that, uh, we'll leave the rest of the list, I think, for our subscribers. Uh, just give away some other names, I guess. Penn State Legacy, Colson Gadden will be on campus. Uh, Matt Sieg out of Fort Cherry will be on campus. Um, a lot of small Western PA schools, Marty, uh, popping up with these uh, talents. Uh, Kaishan Robinson out of Westinghouse, another one. Um, the, I, I know, obviously, you, you're uh, based out of Western PA. Um is it surprising you that these small schools are popping out as many prospects as they have for these last couple of cycles? Yes and no. I think to an extent, some of it is, it's a combination of things Like kids are easier to find these days with, with sure. the, the camps, with huddle, all of that. Um, more and more high school programs are getting a better strength and conditioning program. They're getting a better nutrition program. They're doing a better job of promoting their kids. Like I remember when I was in high school, which I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I graduated high school, what, 15 years ago, whatever it was. It was like, Hey coach, I want to play college football. I'm like, oh, well, I'll throw some huddle for you and send it to random coaches and whatever happens, happens. Um, it, it's, it's not that way anymore. There, there are showcase camps, you know, you, you have yeah. kids getting out and hitting the camp circuits. And like I, said, I think to me, the biggest thing is, and this is coming from someone who lives in a extremely successful yet extremely small double A school district in Western PA in terms of football. Um, and our, our program is an example of this, just programs that are really emphasizing the off season conditioning, the strength and conditioning, the nutrition, doing what you can in terms of spring balls or weather around here. Um, I think that stuff goes a long way too, because I mean, like Westinghouse is a fine example of that. That's a program that six, seven years ago, 10 years ago was, it was a joke. They, they weren't on the map. They, they were, they were terrible. And now they are an absolute state powerhouse. I mean, I get it. Double A is small football, but in double A, they were a state powerhouse. I mean, they had Dayon Hayes a few years ago. Um, who's having a very solid career at Pitt. Um, I, I bet, I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of these programs have kind of gotten with the times to an extent. Um, and that that makes a big difference for these kids. And then I'll give you Fossa. Any other prospects in, on the visitors list that you are um, you would like to give a moment to talk about? Could be somebody we mentioned. Somebody we didn't. I'm trying to think of who is visiting this weekend. Maybe just a Lex Cyrus. Uh, sure. I know the wide receiver recruiting is a big topic of conversation amongst the Penn State faithful out there. Yep. Lex Cyrus is a wide receiver in the 2025 class from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I think he's a kid that is on the rise in terms of recruiting. I think you'll see his ranking go up in a bunch of different places. I think yep. Penn State's probably put themselves in a really good position there. So, local kid. Yeah, local kid. Got a kid you got to get in the class if you're going to, you know, improve the wide receiver recruiting if you got a four-star in state you, you gotta land them so you know i think penn state's doing a good job so far i think he'll be on campus this weekend so that'll be that'll be a big one for penn state to watch moving forward all right well we will leave the rest of the uh visitors list for our subscribers or have value insider you can go over there right now and get a free 30-day free 30-day free trial uh and get uh 
the visitors list for this weekend, plus much more. And we'll try to keep you around on there with all our inside information. Um, all right. Well, beyond that, guys, I think it's time for our predictions for Saturday's game. Penn State, Michigan, top 10 matchup, noon kickoff on Fox. Big noon kickoff. What's our final score predictions? Marty. Here we go. Sorry. My unmute button was Very good. Um, no, as anyone who's listening to this um, probably is expecting the way I've talked, I don't anticipate this being an overly competitive game. Um, I think I, I just, after what we saw from the offense against Ohio State, combined with the fact that I think Michigan is at worst, the second best team in the country, and you throw in that I think Harbaugh and these players um, are going to be insanely motivated. And this comes partially from conversations I've had with a family friend who is an aunt of a starter on this Michigan team. Um, I think Penn State is in for it on Saturday. I think it's going to be a very long day. I don't think it's going to be very enjoyable. I think the defense will fight. I think they'll battle. I think they'll keep it close for half or three quarters. And in the end, they worn out due to the offense and ability to do anything. I'm going to say Michigan wins it 35-14. to 14. Anthony. Yeah, I, I also am predicting Michigan to win. I've got Michigan 27, Penn State 16. Like like Marty said, I think Penn State can keep it close for a little bit, maybe a half to two and a half quarters, maybe even three quarters. But I just think Michigan's too talented. I think there's too many questions still on the offensive side of the ball, as much as we did see flashes of what Drew can be. You know, Michigan's such a different beast compared to you know a Maryland team that you know I'm not expecting anything special. I, I just think that this Michigan team is too damn good. Uh, sign stealing aside and all that stuff, this is a team talented enough to win a national championship. So I, I think Michigan ends up winning. You guys kind of gave all my reasons as why I hate going last. But, um, yeah, I, I think Michigan just doesn't have many weaknesses. Uh, I know they haven't played anybody, but I don't know if it really matters. Um I think Penn State will give them a good game. I think Penn State will keep it close, but I just don't think Penn State has the offense to go four quarters with Michigan's defense. I I, I think the only way Penn State wins this game is if they get out to an early lead, build a 14-point lead maybe. Because um, I, I don't – if Penn State gets into more than a 10-point hole, they I don't see them having an avenue to win this game. Um, so, I mean, you're going to be asking for the defense to stand on its head again. And I just don't know how much you can expect them to do that for a second time this year um, against a really, really good offense. So give me uh, Michigan 23, Penn State 16. And with that, that's today's episode of the Penn State 365 podcast. Thank you for listening to an hour episode. Talked about a lot on this episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our recap of the Penn State-Michigan game later uh, this weekend or early Monday. Uh, But until then, everybody, uh, enjoy your weekend, enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you all real soon. Good podcast, guys.